Hello everyone, T-Bane here, and welcome to another episode of the Revival Church Podcast. How's everybody doing today? Um, I owe you guys yet another apology because this is indeed a week later than I wanted it to be, Um, but life happens and we're working on getting things recorded a little bit more in advance so that way we can be more regular with our podcast posting. Um, Hope everybody's doing well. Um, It's been a while. We had the storm of the century here in... uh, Arkansas, um, really, I guess the entire country at one point, or at least most of it, you know, particularly the continental United States was mostly under storm of ice and snow and just general coldness. And uh, thank God it is much warmer. Um, Particularly today, I'm looking out my window and there are blue skies and birds and the grass is starting to grow and I'm going to have to start mowing very, very soon. Can't wait to do that. Um, But yeah, um, I'm rambling a little bit. But anyway, so I'm I'm just glad to be back. I'm glad to see spring coming back and the rejuvenation of, you know, just creation and all the things that, that God does so well. So um, this week is going to be another sermon episode, um, so just uh, just buckle up. It's a really good one. Um, I'm pulling it back from. I it's actually a Friends Day sermon from like 12 years ago or something like that. I, I'd have to. I can't remember exactly when it was, but anyway. Um, so there's a lot of stuff that was interesting to me to listen to when I was doing this sermon because at the very beginning, um. It was just kind of fun to hear all of the different things that were actually going on that year. Um, Just random Friends Day stuff, giveaways, you know, things like that. Brother John saying all of these these things that we've come to know around Revival Church. Um, I cut all of that off just to kind of save us some time and everything. But uh, I don't know, it was fun for me. So (laughs) anyway, Um, but uh, it's a it's a really great sermon. Um, before we jump into stuff today, though, um, I just wanted to thank everybody that's uh, following us on Facebook and subscribed on Podbean and Spotify and Apple Podcasts and all that good stuff. Um, we're getting new people following the page every single day, um, or at least almost every day, and that's uh, that's really exciting, and that is the best way to get a hold of us if you guys have any um suggestions for shows or things like that, um, any questions, anything like that, um, feel free to go ahead and DM us or write on the wall or whatever you want to do. Um, we've, we've already actually gotten a few more suggestions in, um, and they'll probably make their way into shows. So if you want to be a part of the community, all you got to do is just be a part of it. The guys and I have been brainstorming over the last week or two about the uh the different group discussions that we want to do going forward um in those episodes so um if you want to get any suggestions in on those that's that's really where we need the most help because we just want to know what you guys want to hear about um we don't want it just to be us uh you know just saying what we want to say all the time so um but anyway again thank you guys for listening um y'all are the best audience we could have and uh we're just thankful that we get to do this And without further ado, here is a cluster of grapes. Wait, hold up. I would be remiss if I didn't shout out my dear old dad at the beginning of this uh, sermon. He's the one that's reading the scripture in his Revival Church podcast debut. Um, 
especially back then he used to read this the scripture a lot before the sermon so that's that's why you're hearing his voice hi dad thanks for being on the show today and uh yeah so now we can actually start have your bibles this morning turn to the book of numbers 13th chapter going to be reading verse 23 through 27 if you would please stand Numbers 13 and 23. It says, And they came into the brook of Eskol, and cut down from thence a branch with one cluster of grapes. And they bare it between two upon a staff, and they brought of the pomegranates and the figs. And the place was called the brook Eskol, because of the cluster of grapes which the children of Israel cut down from thence. And, then, and they returning from the searching of the land after forty days, and they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to the congregation of the children of Israel under the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them and said, We came into a land where thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Everybody, I want you to go back, scroll back to verse 23. I want you to look at that for a moment. It said, they came to the brook Eshkol, and they cut down from thence a branch with one, everybody say one, cluster, cluster of grapes. One cluster of grapes. And I want to talk to you this morning about one cluster of grapes just for a little while. God bless you as you're seated. One cluster of grapes, it says they also brought back uh, pomegranates and figs. And and to give you some background here, and I won't be long this morning. If you can bear with me for just a little while. I know sometimes a kid gets restless. I'll try to hurry so they won't so much. But if they do, you're free to take them out. We have some folks in the nursery and can take care of that. But um, give you some background of what's going on here. Uh, you're familiar with uh, God uh, delivering the children of Israel from slavery in Egypt. And you know the story of Moses, the miracles that began their exodus, the miracles that began their deliverance began with a, a burning bush uh, that Moses saw that was not consumed. We got some young'uns on their way out. Y'all stay with us. And uh, he told Moses to go to Egypt and to persuade Pharaoh to let the people go. And uh, you know the story began. Moses eventually got there, and he, he commanded that uh, Pharaoh let the people go through a long uh, series and process of plagues and judgments of God. Pharaoh eventually let the children of Israel go, and that was not, even those plagues were not the end of the miracles. The miracles continued when they got to the Red Sea, the famous scene. Uh, where the waters opened and the children of Israel passed over and the Egyptians are saying to do so were drowned. And that is a, uh, a, a message that's been preached and even depicted in film uh, through the years. And it's one of the great victories of the Bible. And then they crossed uh, the wilderness and they came to the place that we have always referred to as the promised land. It was a land that was promised to them, and it wasn't just promised to them and to Moses. This was a promise that came down through the generations all the way from Abraham some five centuries 
earlier when Abraham received the promises of God and this land was part of those promises along with many other promises. But these some five centuries later, these promises began to be fulfilled as they stood on the precipice of the promised land. All that stood in their way was a small river called the River Jordan and a great big thick wall uh, around the city of Jericho. And the, the people of Israel did something, and they, they chose 12 spies. They chose 12 spies, and the 12 spies went over, and they're going to kind of scope the place out before uh, the invasion. Uh, because God had told them that they could have that land. The, 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 the walls were built high and they were built thick and it was uh, an intimidating sight, but God had told them that they could have that land and so they sent uh, spies over there. Now, I'm getting slow getting going, but y'all stay with me. I'm going to mess with your mind here in just a minute. So they went over and they scoped out that land. Twelve of them spent 40 days in that land just walking around with their jaws gaped open and looking at all the things that were in the promised land. So there they were in the promised land. They came back 40 days later, and two of them were walking with a staff on their shoulder. And in the middle of that staff hung a cluster, one cluster of grapes. It was obviously, they could have said, man, we saw giant grapes there. But that would not have served it justice because... They said, we got to cut one of those things down and take it back. Because they won't believe they got this kind of stuff here. And it was large enough that no doubt one man could have carried it. But I've seen giant clusters of grapes. And no doubt these were even bigger than the ones I've seen. I've seen those great big clusters of grapes. And they're so big that you'd have a hard time carrying them very far without them getting all smashed up on your britch's leg. And Especially when you got these big old mega mondo supernatural grapes, and, and he says, we, we, we could go there and we could tell them the story. We could go there and we could, we could brag about how big the grapes were, but nothing's going to be like cutting down a cluster of them and carrying it on this stick. And when we get back across that Jordan River, those, those dirty, barefooted uh, uh, Israelites that have been wandering around out in the wilderness, when they see this, they won't know what to say. And so, they gathered up those grapes, a few figs and a few pomegranates, just to show what was on the other side. And when they got back across Jordan to the people of Israel, they said, guys, I don't know what to tell you. Everything you heard about it is true. Everything you heard about the land is true. Everything that you ever believed about it is true. The little stories you heard in Sunday school, they're all true. The, the promised land is as good as has been advertised. The promised land will not let you down. The promised land is beautiful. The promised land is promised. The promised land is blessed. And this is the fruit of it. And their jaws gaped open. And they saw this cluster of grapes. And there's, wow. Giant clusters of grapes. Pretty cool. See grapes like that. Well, then Moses or Joshua required of them, said, um, so uh, Moses said, what, 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 up, what about the land? Are y'all ready to go take it? Got grapes like that? Got them some pomegranates like that? You got to get some of that. Y'all ready to go? Ten of them piped up and said, no, man, we can't do that. Ten of them said, we, we can't go there. Ten of them said that the walls are too thick, the walls are too high, and if you ever got over those walls, you're going to be messing with giants. Everybody looks big when they stand on top of a wall. Did you know that? 
Everybody looks big when they stand on top of a wall. But when the walls come down, they're just everyday people. Ten of them said, the, the, the people are too big, the walls are too big, the walls are too thick, and this is too much uh, for us to bite off. We better just not do it. Two of them, by the name of Joshua and Caleb, stood up and said, we, we, we can, and we should, and we must go over and possess this land. God gave it to us. Two of them said, we got to go. Two of them said, let's go. Now, you know their names, don't you? Joshua and Caleb, the other ten you don't remember, do you? Nobody remembers the people who say we can't do it. Nobody remembers the people who say we shouldn't go. So, hey, just this is, doesn't cost you anything. Be one of those who say against all odds we will go forward. Be one of those who says the kingdom of God will not be limited. Be one of those who say he can do and there are greater things still to be done in this city. Be one of those who say we can do it. Always be one of those. You'll be remembered for that and forgotten for anything else. Right. Huh? Right. But anyhow. Brother John, am I doing all right? Anyhow, so he asked them, what, what, where do we go here? Ten of them said, let, 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 let's, let's, let's not do it. Two of them said, let's go after it. And you know the story. I'll not try to recreate suspense because most of you have heard this story all your life. You know what happened. They listened to the report of the ten they listened to the report of the ten spies. In the Bible, God called it an evil report. It wasn't just a negative report. It was an evil report. It was an evil report. It was evil. And two of them were saying, come on, guys, we can do it. Ten of them, they were outnumbered five to one. Ten of them were saying, we can't go, we can't go. And so obviously the preponderance of the people listened to the voice of the ten rather than the two. And so they walked back out into that wilderness that they had just come from. They turned and said, the walls are too thick and they are too high and the people are too fierce and we cannot overcome. And so they turned. Mind you, these people had been in slavery their entire lives and they turned their back on the promised land after walking all the way to the front gate after dropping one foot in front of the other all the way to the front gate of the good land they turned their back up on it and began to walk back into the wilderness they came from and you gotta shake your head at that because God gave them ten plagues to deliver them God gave them a, 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 a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night God gave them manna on the ground every morning God gave them health when instead of sickness and he allowed their clothes even to be durable as they journeyed across it God gave them absolutely they didn't have to plant crops they didn't have to dig wells there was a rock that followed them around that provided them with water they had every care and every need and every desire of theirs taken care of and still they didn't make it it took 40 years for all of those people to die 40 years for every one of that generation with the exception of two men and you know their names Joshua and Caleb, the only two that said we can. But four decades it took those people to die off. Four, 40 years they walked in circles in that wilderness that they, they came from. And then they all died. And then Caleb feels that surging in his heart. He remembers the mountain because he was one of the 12 spies. He remembers the mountain that he saw in the good land. And he said, I still want that mountain. I may be 40 years older and I may be 80 years of age, but I want that mountain. I feel strong today as I did back then. And I can go forward and overcome and claim that mountain for my own. And he did. And he did. So it took 40 years for all the 
doubt and all the pessimism to die out of that race of people. Then 40 years later they came back and you know the story how they crossed over into the good land. But I got a question for you. Four decades passed, 40 years went by, they wandered aimlessly and pointlessly. What happened to the grapes? Maybe nobody, maybe you've never asked that question. What happened to the grapes? What did they do with them? What did they do with the grapes? They brought back a bunch of grapes so big they carried it on a staff on the shoulders of two men. What happened? And then those grapes were spectacular, no doubt. Those grapes were huge and the cluster nearly drugged the ground, no doubt. And it was something to see. I got a hunch I know what happened to the grapes. What do you think happened? I think they ate them. Yeah, that's why they pay me the big bucks around here. Figure these deep theological questions out. They ate them. Well, and they were something. They were large. They were huge. And the cluster was just, that, that, that staff just bowed in the middle where it was hanging. It was a huge cluster of grapes. But it wasn't enough. You're not talking about just a clan of people or a family of people or just a city of people. This was an entire race of people. This was an entire nation of people who had come across the wilderness. It was an entire race of people. And no matter how big that cluster was, no matter how impressive it was, it wasn't enough. I want to change the way you think about church. I want to change, if you never come back to this church, I want to change the way you think about church. I want to change the way you think about the blessings of God. I want to change the way you think about every sermon you're ever going to hear again. And I hope I can do that this morning. Y'all with me? Well, the reason the failure rate in Christianity is so great and the reason the mortality rate between, of, of God's people is greater than it should be is because we think wrongly about every blessing. We think wrongly every time God touches you. And, and, and those of you that are part of Revival Church, bear witness with me. Every once in a while, the Lord pours out his blessings upon us and we receive a spiritual touch. It doesn't happen all the time, but sometimes the Lord comes down in this place and he moves us. And it's not just an emotional thing. It is a deep spiritual thing and it is beautiful and it is lovely and when when it's done when we walk out of this place I remember many times this building and the building we started in I remember many times walking out of there just scratching my head saying boy they don't grow this stuff on where I come from the wilderness that I've been in all week they don't grow grapes like this they don't this kind of supernatural thing does not exist on my side of the line we see things and we experience things and when the touch of God comes upon us, we experience things when His Word becomes part of our lives. His blessings are poured out upon us. But I want you to think differently than you ever thought about it before because those grapes, as big as they were and as beautiful as they were, as massive as that cluster was, it wasn't sufficient to eat. You're talking about a couple of million people minimum. You couldn't give each one of them even the slightest taste with a, even a cluster that large, there wasn't enough for even a small taste for every one of them. 
There wasn't enough. We come to church many times, and make no mistake, when you feel the touch of God, if you felt it in this place today, if you experience the blessings of the Lord here, you know as well as the children of Israel know that they don't grow that out yonder. They don't grow that in the wilderness that you come from. They don't grow that with meth, and they don't grow that with alcohol and drugs. They don't grow this kind of peace and this kind of joy. Jesus said, my grapes, my peace I leave with you, not peace as the world gives. It doesn't grow outside of the promise land but every once in a while he lets a little cluster come across the line into the wilderness where we live and we get to see it and we get to experience just a little bit of it it didn't grow here it didn't come from here and it doesn't belong here it came across the Jordan these things grow in another land this peace flows in another place this is the kind of glory that only comes from the good land but every once in a while a cluster falls off the delivery truck of heaven through space and time and lands in this humble sanctuary where we all get to see the glory and the cluster and the fruit of that land And it is glorious and it is beautiful. It is something to get excited about, but it's not enough to sustain you. And so they fail and they fall and they get discouraged. As big and as wonderful as those clusters are, that's not enough to get you through. The reason is, go back to the children of Israel. When that cluster, come on here, when that cluster of grapes... When that cluster of grapes came across the Jordan River and entered into the wilderness, a place where they can't grow, a place where it didn't come from, a foreign land, it wasn't given to those people for their food. It was given to them for their faith. It wasn't given so that they could eat them and and it would sustain them. It was given so that they could... Oh my goodness, we gotta go. We gotta get across. Somehow or another, we gotta make it to the good land. It wasn't given just so they could eat it. Sure, they could eat it, but that wasn't really the primary focus. The focus was for their faith, it was meant to inspire them. The blessings of God that are given to you. I'm here to tell you, even God's greatest miracles, dozens of them, couldn't get them into the good land until they got inspired to go. The grapes that God gives you, the blessings that He bestows upon you, and the spiritual experiences that you have in your life. They are not only meant for you to consume, but they are meant to inspire you to go to the land that they are grown in, to go to the place where that peace flows like river, go to the place where this glory falls like rain, go to the place where this sensation, this is not religion, this is One cluster that fell out of the truck onto our pathway and we got to witness it instead of eating it up, gobbling it down and then walking back into our wilderness. Let us look at it for a moment. Let us value it for a moment. Let us understand and contemplate that there is another world. This is just a taste. This is just the earnest. This is the slightest little bit of another world. Instead of just gobbling it down and letting the wilderness sap it out of me, I want to go to the land where it came from. I want to go to the good land. Does anybody in this place this morning still believe in glory? Does anybody here still believe that there is a land where there shall be no more sorrow, neither weeping nor tears. Are you believe that there is a land where God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes? Now listen, I ain't no TV preacher. Like I have to say that. I may not be the smoothest cat you ever saw. But I'm right. 
That's the important thing. No, I really kind of sense that we missed somehow through the last generation or so, we kind of missed the boat. The church has become about, and that's fine. I, I hope that you as a Christian are, are involved in your community and that you want to make your neighborhood a better place to live and, and that you want, uh, you want to get involved in public service and yammer, 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 yammer. All of that is good. Oh, it's good. Don't get me wrong. We should make the place we live a better place, and this world should be better for having us in it. You shouldn't stiff your waitress at the, oh, come on here. You should be generous, and you should be kind, and you should do all of those things. And then we got it, we got it off on another track. We, we get to thinking that we're here to, to, to make the church grow. And we are. I hope our church does grow. And we've, we're working like crazy, raising money and hammering nails. And I'm going to rip that cord out of there in a minute. We're working like crazy to see to it that God's church does grow in this world. But I need you to understand something. Our function in this world, though it includes all of those things, our primary function in this world is to see enough of the other world that it inspires a hunger and a thirst within our hearts that we will not be denied. Whatever it takes, Father, for me to reach that good land where the peace that I once experienced flows over me like a river. If I can get to the place where the Spirit of God is real every day and I can sit at His feet and I can bask and revel in His presence, I want to make that good land and I will do whatever I must. I got to admit, does anybody believe in glory or has it become about public service? Does anybody believe in glory or has it become about church growth? Does anybody believe in glory? Our still number one function is to escape this desert and get across that river. Some glad morning we shall see Jesus in the air coming after you and me. Joy is our, come on, that is still our purpose, that is still our cause, that is why we gather. Join with me today. Cross the river. It's still about glory. It's still about glory. It's not for your food. What you experience today, what you experience in your walk with God, is not strictly for your food. It is for your faith. It's plucked from the vine of glory and crossed into the wilderness where you live in order to inspire you, not only to feed you. Jeremiah wrote in the great book of Lamentations a dirge, and it reads like this. Lamentation chapter 3, verse 49. My eyes, or my eye, trickleth down and ceaseth not. Without any intermission, till the Lord look down and behold from heaven. And then he makes this statement. Why don't you make it with me? Mine eye affecteth my heart. Can you say that with me? Mine eye affecteth my heart. Jeremiah said that from a standpoint of grief overlooking the people of Israel. But this morning, I want that same testimony that I have seen enough of the glory land I have experienced enough of the beautiful grapes that tumbled through heaven and hit my path. Come on, y'all. I have, and if you haven't, I tell you that it is here for you. 
But I have experienced enough that I have stood around this altar and I have watched you worship and I've experienced the touch of God in this house often enough, not all of the time, but often enough I have experienced it that I don't just anymore gobble it down and run back in the world and let it be sucked right out of my vessel but now every once in a while I like to step back and I like to fold my arms and I like to be captured by the grapes of glory as they fall in our presence and I want to be captured by them and captivated by them and I want to one day get to the place where those things are abundant and real today the scripture says that we have only an earnest of them we have only a drop of them we only have one cluster but somewhere they grow on every limb. Somewhere they flow in every river. Somewhere they are rich. Do you want to go? Does anybody want to go to glory? Just over in the glory land. There with a mighty host I'll stand. Just over in the glory land. Anybody still believe in glory? Has anybody got, have you lost your way or do you still have your eyes focused upon glory every once in a while? That little cluster falls in your path and you get to taste it or you get to see it. And don't, this morning, don't be guilty. Don't be one of those who eats the vision. You ever talk to a Christian they, and they get a little down in the mouth and they say, well, I'm just not being fed. Come on here. Come on. I know it's Friends Day and everybody's a little locked down. But you ever heard that phrase? I'm not being fed there. Well, listen. Um, there's just not that much to feed you. We got the, we got the word, and if you, that's all there is. I mean, nowadays, you know, church is kind of up against the wall. You know, you, you got to be entertainers, and you got you got to have uh, you know you got to be businessmen. You got to you got to you got to figure out how to, way to entertain people, and you know, whatever you have to do, got to keep you know you got to be a comedian, you got to be a businessman, you got to be a manager, you got to be a theologian, you got to be a historian, you got to you got to know how to tickle everybody and keep everybody happy. Well, I'm not being fed. Let me tell you something there. There's nothing we can do for that. The only way you're going to make it, the only way you're going to make it is if you catch a vision of glory. Paul said, if in this world only I had hope, even if it was in Christ, I would be of all men most miserable. If in this world only I had hope in Christ, I would be miserable. There's not enough miracles. There's not enough preaching. There's not enough singing. There's not enough glory in this world to get you over unless you get your eyes fixed on the good land. If it's in this world only you have hope in Christ, you will not survive. But fix your eyes and set your affections on things that are above. You must make it to the good land. It is not a myth. It is not a myth. It's not a fairy tale. It is real and it's for you. You must make it to the good land. It's just across the Jordan. It's just over the tall wall. And we must bind together and make it to the good land. Anybody want to go to the good land? 
You heard, you heard about it since you were in Sunday school. Well, I'm here to tell you it's as good as advertised. Everything in it is true. Everything you've ever heard about it is real. And all you've got to do is fix your eyes up on it today. No, you've never been there, but you've seen one cluster. You've never seen it, but you tasted one grape one time, and it was good enough. You remember when it touched your tongue. You remember when, it, when the luster of those grapes captured your heart. Don't let go of that. You've got to go. You've got to make it. You've got to let what needs letting go, let go. I try. I really do, folks. I try not to holler and scream when I preach. I know that's... I wish I was more intelligent and I wouldn't have to do that, but... I, 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 I would be able to impress you with my substantial intellect. But you know what? I... I am excited more than I ever am before. The more this world decays, the more it caves in around our ears, the more my eyes are fixed on the place where I saw the grapes come from. You know, I ever once in a while I get real discouraged with the world until I lift up mine eyes and realize that my redemption is drawing nigh. Don't you get down in the mouth about the economy. Don't you get defeated about the wars and rumors of wars. You need to understand that you are a stranger and a pilgrim in this world and you've got your eyes and heart fixed on another place and we are not here to, to stay we are just a passing through Amen. we know Paul says for we know that our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved talking about our flesh we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed, up, clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but be clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God who hath given unto us the earnest, the cluster of his spirit. Do you understand? He says if you have that cluster, if you've ever had the cluster, it, wasn't in the, it might not be enough. To, to get you through every trial. In fact, it won't be enough to get you through every trial. The only way it'll be enough is if you appreciated it and you were captured by it and you got your eyes fixed over yonder. He said, those of us that have got the one cluster, if you got the one cluster, he said, you're groaning all the time within yourself, waiting to be clothed upon for, with your tabernacle, which is from heaven, that is eternal in the heavens and made without hands. Do you believe that there will be a day when this old body shall be laid down and God will give it a body as it hath pleased him? Yeah. Hallelujah. And each to each his own body. And we will receive a spiritual body. Amen. I look forward to that. I look forward to that. And if you don't relate this morning, if you think heaven's a fairy tale, you need to taste the cluster. If you're here this morning and, and, and sermons about glory don't turn your crank anymore, you need to get a look at the cluster. He sent it to us this morning. He sent his presence and he sent his touch into this house this morning. Not so you could gobble it up and run back in the world, but so you could look at it for a while. Realize I want to go to a place where these things grow. By the truckload. The Bible says this. Colossians 1.27. To whom God hath made known. I won't hold you much longer. I'll let you go. God hath made known the riches of his glory. The mystery among the Gentiles. Which is Christ in you. Grapes for today. 
Christ in you, the hope of glory. You know why Christ is in you? Have you received his spirit? You know why he's in you? He's not in you so you will have grapes for today. He is in you so you will have hope for glory. Uh, the one cluster you got is not to feed you. The one cluster you got is to fix your eyes to the glory land. He said, if you go there maim, it's all right. If you go there blind, it's all right. No matter what you have to go through, no, what, what, no matter what depravity you have to go through in this life, the idea is to reach glory. So Christ is in you this morning. It's more than something to get you through the week. How many of you have ever said that? Oh, we had a good service Sunday. Praise the Lord. That preacher really preached, and I got strength to make it all week long. It was glorious. Well, that's good. I, 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 whatever. That's all good. But if you didn't, Get a little glimpse of the good land. You still won't make it. I can't preach good enough, and these singers can't sing good enough, and this Sunday school department can't teach good enough. We've all got to lift our eyes. Our home is not in this world. It's just over in the glory land. There is still a church that is without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, and Jesus is coming to receive it unto himself. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would have told you. Believe me, he said, it's true. The land is as good as promised, and I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Can anybody say amen? Can anybody see the grapes this morning? Can anybody get a hunger for glory? Does anybody believe in the good land? Are we stuck here? Are we just stuck here to muddle our way through? Or do we have a loving Savior who's about to receive us into himself? Amen. Oh, I'm going to read one more, can I? Hebrews chapter 11. These all died in faith. And it's everybody from Abel. Noah to Abraham, Enoch, Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and David and Jephthah and, and on and on, Gideon and all of the great men and women of the Old Testament said they all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them, their heart or their eye affected their heart. That's all I'm telling you this morning. That's what will get you to glory. That's what will drag you out of this desert and over the walls and into paradise. This is what will push you across the Jordan is if you will let your eye affect your heart. He said these men, they never received the promise. They died not having received the promise, but they saw them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of the country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country that is an heavenly country, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God and he and they shall be his people and he hath prepared for them a city could you clap your hands to the Lord he hath prepared for them a city such your things 
Set your mind and your affections on things that are above. I saw the new heaven and the new earth, John wrote, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven as a bride adorned for her husband. Does anybody feel the cluster here today? And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will be with them. He will dwell with them, and they will be their God, and they shall be his people, and he, and he will be their God. I messed that up. Verse 4, God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write. He said to me, Write, for these words are You heard a lot of stuff in your religious experience that ain't even true. You, you, you've been discouraged by things that are not even true. Could you possibly be encouraged by something that is true? Come on. Amen. Come on. Could you possibly get excited about something that is true? He said, write this down, boy. Write, write, because these words are true and faithful. Today, you've been discouraged with things that aren't even true, that aren't even real. This morning, let me encourage you with something that is true and that is real. John said, I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven. And he said, all of there'd be no more pain or sorrow or suffering or tears or any of these things. That there'd be nothing that enters it that worketh abomination or maketh a lie. And then he got after he saw all that, he said, that affected my heart. And he closed out the Bible by writing, even so, come quickly. Mine eye hath affected my heart. I've seen enough of this desert island of Patmos that I live. And I've seen enough of glory that I cry, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Could you stand with me this morning? Could you lift up your heart to the Lord right now? Say, Lord, I, I thank you for everything you give me in this world. I thank you for everything you give me in this life. I thank you for my job. Thank you for my business. I thank you for my family. I thank you for my home. Thank you for the vehicle that I drove here today. For every good and perfect gift cometh down from the Above from the Father of lights, and whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning, it all came from Him. And I thank you for all of that, Lord, and I ask your mercy today because I, at times, began to think that those things were what it was all about. At times, I got under the impression that that's really why I was here, to accumulate these things or to achieve this or that. But today, Lord, I ask you, let me have one more glimpse of that beautiful spirit that flows. Lord, and I know I can't have it here. I know I can't just call on it when I want it and it's just going to. I know I'm not there yet. It's just every once in a while a cluster comes across. Lord, I'm asking you today, inspire me, God. Don't let me be discouraged by this world. Let me tell you something. This world is rough on everybody. This world is rough on everybody, and it wears on everybody. It grinds on everybody. But you're in a place this morning where the, that one little cluster of grapes might just catch your eye, and you think, I want to go there. 
and I'm already awful close. You know, a lot of times it's easy to consume the blessings of God and not consider where they come from. And uh, the fact that we're headed to the, the source where they did come from. Um, I want that to be a part of who I am. The way that I approach the world is through the prism of the gift giver, through the prism of the, the way that he sees things. Um, anyway, thank you guys so much for listening again. Um, until next time, may the Lord bless and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and give you peace in Jesus' name. See you later.